The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Welcome to a brand new episode of Hardly Kayfabe. I am one of your hosts. I am Johnny Towns, and I am joined by the magnificent Mr. Christopher Chavez. Uh-huh. Hey, mama. I'm here. Uh-huh. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, I liked it. Foreshadowing. Impressive. <laughs> What's That's going right. on, we're gonna dude? Talking, we're going to be talking about Elvis on this wrestling show. Obviously. Uh, Obviously. So stay tuned. Uh, hey, Matt, say hello. Matt? Matt? <gasps> what the fuck? What is it? No. No. No way. No. No way. No. 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 <laughs> Wait, where'd Matt go? He's gone. He's gone. Oh my god, I cannot believe that just happened. Will we ever see him again? We've seen the Fiend show up on Raw and SmackDown, but he's always left the victim behind. What is going on? He took Matt with him this time. Oh, God. I don't know if I can do the show, dude. We might not be able to do it. I don't know I, if you I, can coax me into doing the show today. Uh, I got uh, two words that will help you. What's that? Come on. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Luke Harper. Oh, no. Sorry. If I would have been <laughs> thinking wrestling, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah matt has been taken by the fiend hopefully he's returned next week we're crossing our fingers and seeing what happens yeah and toes at this point Ugh. Uh, oh. we called the police and they said uh we can't do anything about this because it's not real so <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking uh, about kayfabe yeah, so told me it yeah. was <laughs> yeah one of us is being worked. I don't know who it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're back with another week of wrestling sans Matt. Uh, but, Johnny, we've got some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, we could yes. recap Raw and SmackDown. We decided we don't want to do that. We're not even going to recap what happened on NXT. And it's a big deal because this week they went live on USA. That's but, right. It's a huge deal. Yeah. We're going to discuss some things. We've got some CM Punks to talk about. And then we've got a special episode of... Wrestlepedia. Wrestlepedia. That's right. We do. We've only done one before. I'm pretty sure. So <laughs> I was going to say the world famous Wrestlepedia, but we've only yes. done one before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we. Uh, if you want stuff recapped, there's plenty of other shows you can go to that do a fantastic job of doing just that. Exactly. 
I think we'll just touch on a few things. Of course, uh, That's you know, a- the return of Luke Harper is yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, that was freaking amazing, dude. Yeah. I pizzopped. Yeah, so that was fantastic. And then uh, Bray Wyatt, they continue to use very well. So I agree. Yeah, and, I um, agree. NXT, uh, we've both seen what the hour that was on USA now. Okay, so I wanted to discuss that. We t- we heard two hour show, two hour show, and then we yes. kept hearing uh, Ronaldo Ronaldo resp- say two hours. You know that this two hour episode, and then at the very end was when they said we're at the end of the first hour. The rest continues on the network. Yeah, it was so strangely what? done. Uh, but I did find out that this is only until October 2nd, and then ah. that's when they're going to go the two hours on USA, which happens to be the same day and start time of a certain AEW. So, Yes, which I heard uh, the uh, the CM Punks were saying is going to be called Dynamite, the name of the AEW show. Well, that works. I mean, they registered that like what seems like yeah, eons ago. Exactly. So I have a question works. for you. Yes. Did you watch the second hour on the network? No, but I do know the results. I saw the results, and I I need to watch it from what I've seen. It sounds like it was awesome. Same here. Saw the results, did not watch it, because I was just wondering, was that live or is that pre-taped? Because we know how NXT is a pre-taped show. Right. I don't. I know that first hour we saw was definitely live. Yeah, that was 100% yeah. live, which... I have to take a little, a little, uh, a little issue with the fact that it seems like they were, they had little touches of Raw and SmackDown camera work, which I cannot fucking stand, dude. If you watch regular NXT, there's a lot, there's the static cam, you know what I mean? You really hate this. And then there's the guys on the side, and they're moving around, and you might, I, I don't think NXT has the cranes, but if they do, it's not noticeable. But the guys holding the cams are not doing the crazy zoom in, zoom out things just to kind of accentuate hits and slams. They're not doing that. It's rare where they kind of zoom in and then pull out. It's mostly camera work like it used to be back in the day. That's why I loved NXT so much. Seriously. I watched Raw and SmackDown, and I remember the first time I came back to it after being away for so long, and I saw that, I literally felt like I had to take a Dramamine. I thought I was going to puke. I was like, what the fuck's happening? Why is this all this? Zo-? And I've gotten used to it. It's not a big deal, right? But, you know, like when we saw, what's his name, hitting a few weeks ago, I, I think it was Rollins was going to town on somebody's back. I think it was uh, Drew McIntyre's back with the chair. And the cameraman's literally going up and down with the chair instead of just getting the shot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, they showed a, a wide shot. Of Bro. There's like two or three cameramen Too much. There. Too much, <laughs> dude. Do you see what I'm saying? Like a cat, like a cat when it's falling a ball that's bouncing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. what was happening. I'm not a fan. And that was one of my biggest worries is that that's what they're going to yeah. do to the live show. Because trust me, keep it the keep everything the same. They are going to dominate easily. I, I was wor- – honestly, I w- not that this would have ruined it for me, but I was worried that – how they were, how the show was actually lit was going to be a lot different. Oh yeah, they didn't. I love it, but I love that it was. It still felt fairly NXT the way yeah. it was lit. Yeah, yeah, so they, I liked they, it a lot. I understand what you're saying about the camera work, though. Oh. Um, it's I don't know why SmackDown and and Raw do that. It's like they don't want you to see what's happening. Which like, doesn't give make me a wide shot. It I'm, doesn't I'm make way sense. more happier with wide shots unless there's like a promo in the ring or something. I'm telling you right now, at least. Easily two thirds of the audience in the crowd are are like they see you know they're they don't they're not zooming in and out and they're enjoying the show they're getting into it they're buying into the story you don't have to do that for the the watchers at home right you, you don't just you know? get a, just get one or just get like two or three cameras exactly. around the ring that are at a, 
at a certain distance that can see everything. Exactly. Uh, and only you only need to zoom in when there's either a promo or they're going like outside the ring for something. Right. Or there's times when you got to you want to get in and really get a good shot of whatever pain somebody's in. Things like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's good too. Yeah. And here's the other thing. And and if you're gonna do that, what you have to do as a wrestler uh, and talent and and creative, you have to make sure wrestlers have the understanding of where the cameras are when they're working. So when it is time to convey specific things. It doesn't break the the magic while you're watching the show because I can't stand when that happens too. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of my biggest things is is when a wrestler does a really cool move, and I don't and I can't see it. And it's not because I didn't see it; it's because the camera work was so bad. Yeah. Oh, that's another one. <laughs> Drives yeah, me bonkers. This is the same as if I watch a a movie with a really cool fight scene in it, but all the fights are like close up and you can't really tell what's happening. Yeah. That yeah, I can't stand that either. But overall, dude, I felt like NXT came out and made a statement for their first yeah. live show. It was extremely entertaining. Like you said, the four-woman tag. You sent me a text. You and me, Matt, me and Matt a text message about, are we watching it live? And then you were just like, you guys have to see this match. And you were right. I watched it later that night and was just like blown away. Yeah, what a perfect way to start NXT on USA. And I how, mean, not, how, only, not only does it show off that you have some really talented women, uh, but it also just says, hey, this show is, is not going to be just uh, the part that I appreciated the most was that it didn't start out with like a 20 minute promo. Right. It, it's this this USA, this NXT on USA was the first hour was wrestling heavy. And I like that a lot. <laughs> Raw started out the first 30 minutes, almost all promo because it was one promo and then another right after. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this one started amazing. And, and again, top-notch match top-notch performances there was a couple times where i was just like Ooh, it was a little sloppy but i mean you're gonna get that regardless it's rare where you get just a tight tight match from beginning to end with four women but one of the things i was gonna say is it feels like maybe the women's revolution on raw and smackdown has kind of slowed or, or cooled off slightly it doesn't feel as hot as it did over the summer and slightly earlier um but this what a way to open it up and say don't forget the women know how to do it yeah, I mean, I just love the match. I thought it was fantastic. And then the closing match with the oh, Dream God. and Strong was very awesome as well. I so. literally said something about they don't sweat enough anymore. Like, it looks like they're call, like, just phoning it in. And, they, yeah, they disproved me wrong. Yeah. After, I was, so they, <laughs> they were mad at you. They, they listened to the show and heard you say that. And they were not happy. Dude, I had, like, the worst dry mouth by the end of that because my jaw was hanging open the entire time at how good it was. Yeah, it's fantastic. Amazing. Uh, so uh, go out of your way to watch that if you get a chance. Uh, I thought it was it was really good from top to bottom on that whole hour. So and right down to the commentary. I actually saw some. I was going to run this by you real quick. Yeah. Uh, me, me and you both love love Morrow. Like, I, yeah. I think he's fantastic. He is. He's getting blowback online. Like, people are like, he needs to tone it down. Oh, it's because they don't know who he is. They're just used to, you know what it is? They're used to just like the snooze fest that is, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, Michael Cole. Yeah, Michael Cole and Corey. Because even Corey anymore feels like he's kind of losing what he had going really well the past couple of years. Um, it's it's just, it it's... I, I mean, remember watching a couple of weeks ago, some stuff was going on in the ring, and I remember just thinking, it used to be you would hear like Lawler and Ross flipping the fuck out like what the hell's happening and it was dead silent dead silent dead silent yeah 
So I think there's too many people that are used to that anymore, that they're not used to what we grew up with, which was the over the top, like, holy shit, did you see that? I guarantee you those same people who are talking shit now in three, four months of having watched it over and over, they're going to absolutely love the guy. Well, they better because he's fantastic. It's he, all I gotta say. I thought that whole that re- the, all three commentaries they have on there are really good together. Phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal so. team. So I hope they don't do anything to mess with that chemistry, and I hope they I don't agree. do anything to tell him to tone that shit down because it was great. Yeah, that's what sets it apart too. Is uh, they all three play off each other really well. On top of that, so I I really like that. That might be my favorite commentating team in WWE. <laughs> Easy, E Z. Uh, question, uh, no question. Well, not question. We're moving on to what I saw in some of the CM Punks and headlines, and it still kind of ties into NXT. So here's your transition, bro. CM Punks. I've given us some transition music. Love it. Uh, bro, seriously. NXT, amazing four women match going on. And this is one thing that did throw me off, too. I'm not a fan of breaks, not a fan of commercials, because the beauty behind what we had on the network was that we didn't deal with that. Here, you get a break in the middle of match, right? And what's the first thing we see? An AEW commercial. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is that amazing or what? That might have been my favorite thing of the whole show. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what they need to do is when AEW airs their first show, USA needs to do all they can to get an NXT commercial on there. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Yeah. We're going to just, it's, they've started the war. It's literally war. We're, we're going to, we're, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. I saw something on uh, Dave Meltzer was saying that that was like only for local, like, it was like a local commercial for people, but I saw it. I saw here. it. And you saw it. And Twitter saw looked, it, bro. Twitter yeah. saw it. I don't know how local it was. I think a lot of uh, areas had it. So. Yeah, I think it was huge. And I look, Twitter saw it. That's all that matters. Now the world has seen it. And that means, you know what that means? That means, like, there's always that rumblings of war, and there's one side's gathering the army, but it's not really making any moves. The other side's kind of gathering army, and you see them kind of moving up and down land and sitting, setting up spot. Then overnight, one of the sides just lobs a grenade and starts yeah. the shit. That's exactly what, what that happens. was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, AEW Dynamite. They threw a dynamite stick. That's what that was. <laughs> they certainly did. But, yeah, I w- when you pointed that out, I was like, oh, God. And, I, and because I DVR'd it, I get the commercials, too. Oh, it was amazing. I was just yes. like, this is great. And there was two, not just one. There was another one right. a little later on that they, they yeah. put out. It was awesome, dude. Um, The other thing that I saw... Luke Harper returned, bro. He's loving life because he's back. Except he put up an image on Instagram last night. And it's a shot of the WWE store, NXT, 30-plus new tees. And it shows all the brand-new T-shirts for every NXT superstar. And Luke Harper says, Larry... In over seven years with WWE, I've never had a single Luke Harper t-shirt, but now all 155 NXT wrestlers each get their own. Got it. Good luck tonight. What? I love it. Bro. <laughs> get this man a shirt. So you, and then, and, and he also added, uh, he added Eric Redbeard. So he added Rowan as well. And if you watched SmackDown, uh, you'll know that these guys came out 
and started kind of going haywire. Like they were tearing shit apart and didn't care. They didn't even care about the broadcast. Corey Graves was in the middle of saying something. Luke Harper ripped his his mic out of out of the the thing, cut him off completely. Yeah. They were they made acting, it more realistic to me. I yeah, loved it, and it made it and it made it like you know what? You guys aren't going to tell us what to do anymore. You're not taking advantage of us anymore. You're not treating us this way anymore. And and Luke, for us knowing what Luke Harper's been going through. This is the thing I love about wrestling is there's always that blurred line between reality and kayfabe. And when he's pulling that out and cutting off Gory Graves, you know, broadcast, knowing it's going <laughs> to fuck with the actual broadcast, you know, ripping apart the entire just thing. And, and you could hear Michael Cole going, are, are we on? Are we still on? You know what I mean? Like yeah, Gory Graves, uh, Gory Graves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, what that's what we're calling them for now. Well, we're entering the month of October here soon. I want to get nice and ready for gory yeah. craves. We're going to start uh, like Simpsons do and just change our names all Halloween names. Why not? Right? Oh, yep. that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> but dude, this is amazing. Now, so after that, right after that tantrum in which you start going, man, how much of that was them gleefully doing what they really wanted to do to kind of just you know be destructive towards the WWE. Then he posts this. This makes it so much better. This is like the, the icing on the cake for the week. Well, I mean, if you notice, they were wearing, well, at least Rowan was. I don't I don't know if I saw Harper's shirt. They were, they were just wearing like a band t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Both the same uh, metal band. Uh, Amon, Amar, oh, God, I'm going to I'm gonna get flack for not knowing it. Um, I don't listen to metal, so I can just make stuff up. But I knew, <laughs> I've, I've heard the names before, and I knew they were metal bands. Yeah, it's a Swedish, like, melodic death metal band amon yeah. amarth i mean i probably am saying it wrong too they're like what the fuck you asshole you're saying it wrong is that what swedish people sound like no that's the dude that likes the band oh oh yeah yeah for right, some reason fans. i was thinking about the guy uh in england was a big fan hey they could be you don't know look they like all kinds of music even elvis that's right yeah yeah even elvis oh. i have one more i have one more uh, for this, uh, do it. For, uh, so on Twitter, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, my one of my favorites, and I know one of your favorites. Oh, he's so good. Uh, posted. Uh, I wonder. I'm just going to read his two texts. He wrote one text, <laughs> and then he followed it up with uh, responded to his own text. Uh, just to give you context here, this text comes with a small little video. Uh, I'm not going to play the video, but uh, it's. Him holding a, a a little beagle, like the dog, a dog beagle. Okay. <laughs> I received a touching letter from a nine-year-old boy named Lex from Central Illinois who sells his Lucky Rocks uh, to help pay for his rescue beagle's heart condition. This hit close to home on so many levels. Please follow him and help if you can. And then he gave the, it's at, Lex, at Lex's Lucky Rocks uh, on IG to follow him. But what's funny is right after that, he posted, uh, I'm still a heel, though. <laughs> i loved it (laughs) that is so amazing dude i love the guy even more i know is he not fantastic (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that is so good dude He's already such a phenomenal athlete, like seriously yeah, oh, athlete, yeah. not even just a wrestler. Like the dude's an amazing athlete. Okay, 
and an amazing entertainer. Like I said, I always love he's a, he reminds me of the old school heel guys, and you know he was an NWO fan. The way he oh, comes he down, yeah. you know, playing his 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 belt like it's a guitar, just that kind of lackadaisical movement as he's oh he's so cool, dude. I love that dude, man. I really do. Yeah, I had to. That's why I had to share that. It's it made me oh, so happy. <laughs> that is amazing. But what was the thing that he was saying? Follow him to help him with what? What is that? Uh, if you go to his uh, go to uh, Twitter and go to O'Reilly's Twitter, and you'll see on there because it's one of his latest twi- uh, okay. tweets. Uh, but it gives the link to that little boy's uh, Instagram where he's trying to sell these uh, things that kind of that go toward uh, help pay for his his dogs. Uh, surgery he's gonna have to need oh so, uh, okay yeah i'm gonna i'm yeah. gonna try to i'm gonna share that on on all our socials so that's cool yeah that's really sweet but i just loved his response to his own thing right still after a that. hill though that's amazing <laughs> i'm still a hill though <laughs> <laughs> oh man well there you have it dude that's the cm punks for the week we're moving on to our topic which is wrestlepedia wrestlepedia that's right. That's right. And who? Uh, we did Arn Anderson before. Yeah. Oh. Who? Yeah. Who should we follow that up with, Chris? Who? Um, who? Who? Is it? The honky tonk man. Oh, that's a good guess. Let's do it. And that's that's, that's true. That's who it is. <laughs> Yes, we're going to talk about the honky tonk man. I had a couple. We had a, a few listed, which are uh, are great. I think we have a, a bunch that we can start doing in the future. Uh, but honky tonk man, dude, you're right, man. When's the last time you heard uh, about or talked about or honky tonk even came up in conversation in your personal wrestling, you know, conversations with friends? I thought I, today, <laughs> right. So, because you said to me, you're like, we should talk about somebody that barely ever comes up in conversations. And unless you are yeah. already a, a, you know, a, a huge honky tonk fan, you know, a fan, honky tonk man fan. Wow, that sounded weird. Uh, you're not really. He, he, when does he normally come up? Unless you're discussing a specific match that somebody else you're already talking about is. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's a name that obviously I'm aware of, and I've yeah. seen a little bit of, but I didn't. I, didn't and do not know a lot about him. No, I've just all I know is exactly what I've seen on old school matches and stuff. That's all I know. I didn't follow, you know, uh, he was in his later years when I, I started following along. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're going to uh, go to his Wikipedia. Yep. Uh, we're just kind of uh, read it and commentate off of what we read and kind of mm-hmm. just uh See where it goes from there. We're not obviously going to read every little thing on here. That would take forever, and we're Why? just not going to do that. Oh, come on, let's do it. And then what we should do is click the little links that take us to where they're, you know, the references, and then we'll read all that too. Yeah, let's get I in like depth, it. bro. Okay, this will be. A, I want to read a forty-hour episode. I want to read the captions <laughs> under each every single photo. All right. Uh, what else do we have here? <laughs> I want to read the copyright at the bottom of the page. All right, so Honky Tonk Man, real name, <laughs> his shoot name uh, is Wayne Ferris. That just seems, Wayne just seems right to me. Yes, he Wayne works. Like, Actually, the whole name works. Like, when you look at a picture of him and you say Wayne Ferris, it, it all fits. Yeah, definitely Wayne. I mean, yeah. 100%. If you just showed me his picture and I didn't know who he was, you said, that's Wayne. And I said, yeah. That's Obviously, Wayne. it's Wayne. 
I mean, that's definitely. I would have guessed Wayne. That's Wayne leaning <laughs> up against that 1983 Camaro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, born on January 25th of 1953, uh, better known by his ring name, the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. Is an American professional wrestler. He previously wrestled for WCW, WWF, now WWE, of course. Uh, he is best known for his first run with the WWF, where he held the Intercontinental Championship yep. for a record 64 weeks. I was going to say, this and, is the only other time he, this does come up, is when you talk right. IC titles. That's the only other time his name normally yes. comes up. 100%. And, of course, he loses it to the Ultimate Warrior in, at the 1988 SummerSlam. Ultimate garbage, man. Have you, <laughs> I was trying to think of something that was kind of, you know, degrading that rhyme at Warrior, and I couldn't think of anything. But, dude, have you listened to the newest two-part episode of Ten Bell Pod? Yes, I have, Good of course. Lord. Yeah. What uh, a just... Ugh. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I know that hurts a lot of people who who... He was their favorite in childhood. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, uh, I I can honestly say he was never one of my favorites. No. So, I'm, so it doesn't hurt me at all. Same here. It doesn't hurt me, but it just makes me not even it like him, like dislike him even more. But I will say I can relate just because I was a Hulk, little Hulkamaniac growing up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when uh, some of the things he's done and said, been uh, very uh, hurtful to his legacy in my eyes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyway, uh, yeah, a little, little side tangent there and a little promo. Go check out 10 Bell Pod, guys. Bye. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, wherever you get uh, your podcast as well. Uh, he is, uh, he was inducted. This sentence is weird. He is, Ferris was inducted. You see what I'm saying there? That's a weird, strange sentence. We need to edit this sentence. I think, wait, I think whatever you're reading is cut off weird because my side says he is the cousin of a fellow professional wrestler and color commentator, Jerry Lawler. Oh, yeah, it is. There it is now popped up. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was strange. That's what, I didn't know he was related to Lawler. You know what that is? That's the te- that's the technical version of The Fiend kicking in. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that either, dude. Um, really? I mean, I wouldn't, when I look at him, I'm like, I guess I could see that too. If I'd be like, yeah, they're kin. Yeah. Uh, if you told me a Wayne was related to a Jerry, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> basically. Right. Yeah. And what was his, what was Jerry's promotion? Um, uh, is in Memphis, I know Memphis, that. Memphis. So, uh, yeah. I'm sure Wayne was working those days in his early days. No, Oh, you would think so for sure. Uh, he was inducted to we'll the WWE hall of fame as part of the 2019 induction ceremony. So very, very, very recently as in this year. Oh, that's right. Hi, Chris. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it just happened. I was like, "Holy crap!" Again, how come he doesn't come to mind? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know, it real. feels like I haven't th- thought of him in forever. But like, dude, he was literally just inducted this past year. <laughs> yes. Good <laughs> lord! All right, Chris, let's get into his early years. Let's do it. So, Ferris began his career in '77, working in Malden, Missouri, and wrestling alongside training partner Coco Beware. Uh, who is famously known for manhandling workers back in the day. Uh, I believe he actually, does he break the neck of one of them or, or knocks them out completely or something? You ever see this, 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 this match? Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, he works for promoter Henry Rogers. Then Ferris moves on to Memphis Wrestling. Ba-ding! 1978. Good he call. Re- he wrestled frequently in Birmingham, Dotham, Mobile, uh, Mobile, Mobile, Mobile. And Pensacola as Dynamite Wayne Ferris. 
Starting out as the undercard wrestler, he later achieved greater success when he teamed with Larry Latham to form the Blonde Bombers. Um, I don't think I've ever seen these guys. Blonde I Bombers. Haven't. No, I'll have to go back to some of the old stuff and see. Do they do we have Memphis stuff on the, the network or no? I would I would assume they do. I got. I don't look, know if I've ever looked for it. I feel like I, I feel like maybe not, and I don't know why. I feel like there was that was one thing that Jerry's holding on to. He's not really letting selling that to them. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Anyway, the Bombers were later put with Sergeant Danny Davis as their manager, uh, and they came back to Memphis. There, there they were involved in heated feuds with several fan favorite teams across the two competing Tennessee promotions. Um, appear, appearing in both uh, Nick Gulas's Nashville-based territory and Jerry's Jarrett's Memphis area. Their signature mo- um, moment was the now-famous Tupelo concession stand brawl against Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. So I'd like to see that one as well. And I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong. Tupelo, Tupelo. Isn't it Tupelo? Tupelo. There you go. Okay, so this dude basically wrestled in every single territory that was possible back in the day. He had stents in uh, American Wrestling Association, Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, World Wrestling Council, Southeastern Championship Wrestling, Southwest Championship Wrestling, National Wrestling Alliance, and Stampede Wrestling until the early 80s. Uh, winning multiple singles and tag team championships in each of those territories. That's usually the sign of a, a good worker. You know what I mean? When you got a guy yeah. that's wor- a great worker, he could move from territory to territory and start picking up titles. You know, usually you have a lot of guys that moved around, and a lot of times they're there to help. You know, the people that are tr- they're trying to put over in certain promotions. But when you're a guy that's a Ric Flair status where you're moving from territory to territory, and I'm not really calling them a Ric Flair status, but you know what I mean? Like that, that yeah, I was about to say you were about to get some letters, but just think about that. <laughs> like, just think about what that says. Like, we don't ever think of talk about him, but he was the kind of guy who could go from promotion to promotion, taking singles and tag team championships. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a sign of. Uh, your name recognition for sure. I'm starting to feel like like this is kind of a travesty that we don't talk about the honky tonk man as much. And maybe is it because of the gimmick? Like, is it sounds like it's such old I school? I think it's the gimmick on top of. I don't know how his reputation is among other wrestlers. Uh, like, I, I do know he does a lot of shoot videos uh, uh, that are looked at in both a positive and negative way. I <laughs> so, see. I see. Yeah. Well, Johnny, why don't you take us into the eighties? Well, let's hit the WWF, his early run, 86 and 87. He entered the WWF under the ring name, the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, oh, oh. Honky made his, I love how they're just going to call him Honky. <laughs> <laughs> and they totally do throughout. <laughs> yeah. So we're calling him Honky from here on out. Honky made his TV WWF debut on the September 28th, 1986 episode of Wrestling Challenge. Defeating Terry Gibbs, so he gets a win on his first uh, timeout. That's a big deal. Again, he's coming from <laughs> territories, and like I said, this is almost a sign of like we've got somebody good here, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, he originally pushed as a fan favorite wrestler with an Elvis impersonator gimmick. Who knew? <laughs> uh, Honky soon cut a series of promos with Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, that aired on the WWF's syndicated programming, asking fans for a vote of confidence. While these promos actually insulted fans in the manner of Andy Kaufman before him. Oh, we have to do an episode uh, feature uh, about Andy Kaufman. But yes, that yeah. is great. Yeah. Uh, the results predictably came back negative. 
and it was not long before Honky turned into a cocky villain <laughs> and took on Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart as his manager. Yeah, beautiful. That's a great that's a great teaming up there. That is an uh, amazing team yeah. up there. Hart was built as uh, Colonel Jimmy Hart for Honky's matches, a reference to Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's, <laughs> that's a real so good. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, they had a better relationship than Elvis had with uh, his Colonel. <laughs> At the end. Uh, uh, Honky's first major feud came against Jake the Snake Roberts who was a fan favorite at the time. The feud intensified when Honky attacked Roberts on his talk show set, The Snake Bit. I love According that. To, yeah, that's a great name for, for him. Yeah, right? I love that. And I was just going to also say, I love that that's something that E has still held on to, is giving wrestlers their own little, like, t- quote-unquote TV show, talk show sets, you know? Yeah, I don't think any of them's lasted near as long as The Miz's has, though. Miz's is the longest right now? I feel like it because he's done it for years now, right? You know what? That's a future episode as well. Anyway, moving along. No, we need to figure out who's had the longest one. Yeah, longest. We'll we'll fit you an episode on you know the talk shows that are a part of the E's history. Yeah, according to Jake the Snake, Honky was supposed to hit him with a gimmick, uh, a gimmick balsa wood guitar, because you know, of course, if you come to the ring with a guitar, uh, you know, you're going to use the guitar. That's just kind of what it is. Uh, That's been the rule of. Pro wrestling since day one. If you bring a guitar and a guitar is part of your gimmick, you will use said guitar. Yeah. Uh, Roberts believed Ferris uh, or Honky accidentally grabbed a real non-gimmick guitar and smashed it across Jake's back, which legit injured him and started him on a on his dependence of prescription pain meds. Oof, yeah, I've heard. So him he kind of blames that, yeah. he kind of blames Honky for the reason he got into drugs in the first place. Sure. Um. This has been disputed as Roberts has been a known drug user years before this incident. I was going to say, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this is a Wikipedia really gets into drugs and stuff yeah. about this. Uh, just remember, we're just reading from Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, yeah. However, in an interview, Honky disputed Roberts' assertion, saying, that's not true. And, uh, that's not true. Huh. And in fact, I attribute most of that to Mick Foley, who wrote about it in his book, and Jake, who lied about it. So, in other words, uh, you know, Honky says that's uh, Jake's and Mick's fault for saying he did it. Mick's lying, and so's Jake. Except. Uh, Although TV footage of the incident showed that the guitar did not break (laughs) uh, like a gimmick, like one that was gimmicked wood, uh, and it took several more hits. Oh, my God. To Robert's back for the guitar to break apart. Good God. (laughs) Okay. We were wondering why people are starting to, they may not like them, and maybe people are like, you know what? Dude. Maybe we found it. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I got to go back and look at that footage, dude. I got to see how yeah, brutal find that it. is. Uh, yet Roberts continued to wrestle uh, following this angle, bringing into question the alleged non-gimmick uh, guitar shot. So pretty much acting like he wasn't hurt. Uh, during the, their feud, which ended at WrestleMania 3, Honky grabbed the ring ropes to skewer, uh, to, skewer, to score a tainted win. Afterward, Roberts cleared the ring of Honky before he and, of course, Alice Cooper, because who else would it be? School's out. Attacked Hart and Damien. Uh, attacked Hart with Damien. Roberts Python. So that's you're probably right. I, that has to be why he's not looked at in a favorable way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would say that would, so. Yeah, because I would say that would make me not want to work with somebody, especially uh. if they just. 
I mean, you make mistakes, but if you don't own up to that mistake, <laughs> that's even worse in my eyes. Seriously. All right. All right, Chris, what about his uh, intercontinental run? His okay, this is appropriate because this is my favorite one of my it's actually no, it is. It's my favorite belt. Except one of my favorite uh, guys to hold it was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And on June 13th, 1987, on an episode of Superstars, Honky defeats Steamboat and takes the belt. He reversed Steamboat's inside cradle, grabbed onto the bottom ropes for extra leverage to get the pinfall win. Obviously, oh. he can't. He cannot take the IC title on a clean win. That's not going to happen. Right. Um, what a heel. Yeah. He was originally meant to be a transitional champion to only hold on to the title for a short period. However, Jake the Snake Roberts failed several drug... T- I don't mean the giggle there, but he failed several drug tests following WrestleMania, and Honky became booked to remain champion for what would be a record-setting run. So it's kind of a weird thing, right? Like, was it already known ahead of time that Jake was on the path to be to get the t- the IC title? And honky I mean, grabbed the yeah. like. Is that the new accusation? Maybe are we creating the narrative? Ooh, are we? That's a good question. Uh, you know, it kind of makes sense in a way, just because I mean, Jake was definitely very popular, uh, and he's and he's always been his own worst enemy. Thankfully, hopefully, he still seems like he's doing better now. I hope so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, for sure. Uh, from what we know, he's gotten better. Um, so. But back then, like it was kind of a bad thing, and we knew it um, so much so that they used to reference it in storyline. Remember when they were doing the whole thing about being an alcoholic? His his feud with Jerry Lawler. Yeah, the the E and the, I mean that's just kind of in yeah. wrestling in general. Yeah. They'll they'll bring. I mean they did that with Scott Hall at some point too. Uh, let's see what happens here. In a later interview, Honky remarked that Hulk Hogan whom he had had a friendly collaborative relationship with outside the ring, had helped give Honky a chance at the title after a coincidental meeting between Hogan, Honky, and Vince McMahon. Uh, Hogan stuck up for Honky, and even though McMahon had someone else in mind. So it sounds like Hogan was the one pulling the strings here as well. So maybe that's why a lot of people might not like Honky. Hogan had a history of uh, really setting up his friends. Yeah. For great things. So there you go, right? It paid to be be Hogan's friend. But then again... It, it hurts. It hurts the way the rest of the locker room looks at you. Um, to pre- but are you going to care if you're making money? <laughs> oh no, not at all. But it does yeah. lend to the, the the reason why. Like, how come we don't ever think about him or talk about yeah. him? Or, uh, yeah, it's true. So to pervert, to, to yeah, to pervert, <laughs> to pervert, to preserve his title, which could only be taken by pinfall or submission. Honky often got himself deliberately counted out or disqualified against challengers such as Steamboat, Billy Jack Haynes, Bruno Sammartino, and George the Animal Steel. Also during this time, so I, I'm thinking at this time, Sammartino and Animal Steel are kind of like towards the end of their career, right? It sounds like they've been there guys. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Also, during this time, uh, Honky began using a 50s-style theme entrance song performed by Ferris himself. Included on... It, okay, if you want to listen to it, it's on, included on Piledriver, the wrestling album, too. I'm sure you can find it on the Spotify if you really want to look Probably the YouTube somewhere, too. But you know what? How come the network doesn't have that available? Wouldn't that be sweet if you could listen to every single wrestle uh, WWE album they put out with the theme music? Yeah, it would be fantastic. By September 1987, Macho Man Randy Savage was in the midst of a fan favorite turn and began challenging Honky for the title. After Honky had made comments about himself being the greatest intercontinental heavyweight champion of all time. And 
disparaging comments about former champions, including Savage. Although they had several matches beforehand, they had also met in 1986 when uh, Savage was a villain uh, and challenged by then. He was then a fan favorite honky. They both fought at that time. So they uh, switched places. Yeah, basically. The first Savage honky match to air on national television was on October 3rd, 1987, Saturday night's main event, 12. Uh, <clears throat> during this match, Savage nearly defeated Honky until Honky's allies in Jimmy Hart's stable, the Hart Foundation, uh, ran into the ring and attacked Savage, getting Honky disqualified. Savage's manager, Miss Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth, <laughs> attempted to stop the attack on Savage, but Honky shoved her down and she fled to the locker room. Meanwhile, Hon- now this was a big deal. Yeah. Now, uh, the reason this was a big deal is because uh, it's well known mm-hmm. that Savage was overly protective of Extremely. her in real life, in yep. IRL in real life, uh, and also was. Seemed to get jealous at the drop of a hat, too, yep. at the same time. Yep. Uh, he would keep her in locker rooms and not want anybody to go into the locker room she was in, that type of deal. <laughs> like, this is all well-documented. I'm not speaking out of school here. Yes. So he uh, shoves so, her down. Yeah, so so they did say they wanted to do this. They brought this up. But this was a big deal for Savage to be, okay, I guess I'll let... <laughs> if she wants to do it, I guess it's okay. Right. Uh, because she had never really got involved like physically when you're taking a bump or whatever you want to call it before mm-hmm. really. And so this was a huge deal, honestly. It, there's three, there's a lot of stuff going on here. You're seeing him throw her to the ground, right? So again, that doesn't, that doesn't look good at all on TV, but man, is it drawing a lot of fire for honky even more now? Right. And it's yeah. putting macho man even more over now because people are going to feel bad for him and we're going to want him to beat honky tonk man's ass. And Here's the other piece of it. Like you said, we know about Macho Man. Back then, we didn't, but Honky Tonk Man did. You know, what if he... Yes. he there's a moment <laughs> where he's probably thinking, let me do this, and that's why he smashes him with that guitar immediately after. You know what I mean? Because just in case you you, you changed your mind and wanted to come at me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself some time here. Right, yeah. Um, so shortly, yeah, he smashes his guitar on Savage's head. Shortly thereafter, Miss Elizabeth returned with Savage's former rival, Hulk Hogan, who aided Savage in running off the heels. So this then becomes the formation of the Mega Powers, which would be Savage and Hogan, and that only lasted like a sneeze, and then uh, they yeah, broke it was up. over. Yeah. Honky continued to uh, his bitter feud against Savage and would frequently make advances toward Miss Elizabeth. Uh, that's, again, you're walking a fine line there, brother. <laughs> yes. Including... Big Including one such incident, 1987 uh, Slammy Awards to agitate. That's another thing. We should do a we should do an episode on the Slammy Awards. Uh Those things have been around way longer than you think. Yes, those are amazing. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. The last high profile match between the two aired as part of the undercard of the Hogan Andre the Giant main event. One saw Honky Tonk lose by countout after Savage rammed him into the ring post on the outside of the ring. Let's see, the few were blown off in the weeks before WrestleMania 4 through a series of tag team style steel cage matches involving various allies. He continues to retain the title in matches with Savage and Bruce the Barber Beefcake, his next major who's his next major rival. I don't really want to go into that rival, you know, it's just back and forth about who said what to whose wife and did something with this and you know, however, uh what ends up happening is Beefcake is thrust into a feud with outlaw Ron Bass. And uh, that kind of just slowly brings brings this other piece down. Honky Tonk Man, uh, man grabs microphone and proclaims that he does not care who his opponent's going to be. 
And that is when the Ultimate Warrior runs out and pins his stunned opponent in just 31 seconds for the Intercontinental Championship, ending the reign of 454 days. Now, some people would say that this is a huge deal because Honky Tonk is obviously an established. He's held the belt belt for so long, so to pin him that quickly is pretty impressive. But I say they know what kind of wrestler the Ultimate Warrior was, and they thought that's probably about the best he was going to look was for 30 yes, seconds. Yes, because you can't put a belt on him, you know, hinging all of your, your hopes on his actual skill in the ring. That's right, because okay. he hurts people. Jesus Christ. You ever heard any, have you ever heard anybody discuss what it was like for him to, to grab you and put put you over his head? Oh yeah. Oh, I think it was actually on the on the Ten Bell Pod. Jake Manning talked about the the clutch. Oh yeah, I the, think he did. Yeah, the clutching of the chestnuts. There was no problem yes. of gripping as tight as he possibly could. Yes. And then apparently it was also he didn't know how to give a clothesline or a lariat. He was constantly knocking guys out instead of hitting him in the upper chest. He was almost taking off their heads. Yeah, because he's a big dude. He was a legit huge dude, and he so. was legit. He knew what he was doing, dude. He was a bully. He was. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. It just sounds like he was a big bully. Uh, I'm going to take us out of the WWF with Rhythm and Blues, 89 to 91. Hockey uh, in 89. Hockey began a feud with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, brother, uh, but he lost in late 89 and 90. He and Greg Valentine, uh, who was also managed by Jimmy Hart, aligned themselves at the tag team Rhythm and Blues. After competing against such teams as the Hart Foundation and the Legion of Doom, Rhythm and Blues were a part of the Ted DiBiase Million Dollar Team, along with his mystery partner, the debuting Undertaker, against Rhodes' dream team of the Hart Foundation and Coco Beware at the 1990 Survivor Series. Honky wrapped up his WWF career with a stint as a pro-villains color commentator alongside uh, Vince McMahon and Roddy Piper on Superstars before leaving January 1991. Well, and that's when he decides to take his talents to WCW. WC. 1994. WCW. In summer to winter 1994, Honky was wrestling for WCW and challenged Johnny B. Bad (laughs) for the WCW World TV Championship until he left due to a dispute with management. Well, that was quick. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that was almost as fast as his uh, match with uh, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, no kidding. In his book, Controversy Creates Cash, Eric Bischoff stated that his favorite firing was that of Honky. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I got to read the whole segment. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, it's been a long time since I've, since I've read that book. Uh, Honky w- uh, has responded by saying that it was an honor as Bischoff had fired a number of people while in WCW until he got himself fired. <laughs> so what did he do? He just quit wrestling? Uh, no, he uh, goes back to the WWF. Ooh. Uh, and from 97 to 2001, this might be the last part of his career, because he still technically is around today, mm-hmm. so we don't need to go through all of it. Uh, but after a brief stint in the American Wrestling Federation, AWF, Honky resurfaced in the WWF full-time in 97 as a color commentator on Raw is War, WWF Superstars, and Shotgun Saturday Night, and then as the manager of Billy Gunn, who had started a singles run. Under Honky's tutelage, Gunn became known as Rockabelle, which was a short-lived and very unsuccessful gimmick. Uh, Honky then made an appearance in the 1998 Royal Rumble event, 
Honky returned to the WWF for a one-time appearance at the 2001 Royal Rumble, but was quickly eliminated by Kane oh. after being hit on the head with his guitar. Nice. So yeah, then he kind of just shows up and appear uh, in a and would appear on uh, WWF television every once or WWE television every now and again. You'll still see them sometimes when they're doing like a reunion or whatever type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and he's also shows up at a lot of independent shows and stuff too, just making appearances and such. And of course he does a lot of, uh, I don't know if he's done any recently, but he does a lot of those, uh, um, you know, shoot interviews. Oh yeah. He's, he's a, he's one of the ones where he, there's a multitude on YouTube you can find. Uh, he does a lot of appearances at cons. He does a lot of like, you know, uh, signing appearances at different, like even, I think we had him here. There's a comic book shop that's in town here. Uh, maybe last year, the year before he was here doing an appearance, you know, signing stuff. And, um, he's so he still gets around right in other media. He appeared on an episode of a court based show. Judge Jeannie, Janine Pirro as a witness to the defendant. Um, which is weird. He appeared in the video game WWE All-Stars as a free downloadable character. He also appeared in 2K15 as part of the downloadable content, 2K16 as an unlockable character. Uh, character. Uh, he was also cast in John Wesley Norton's film Executive Ranks. Ranks. Honky also appeared in Insane Clown Posse's music video for how many times along with the Bushwhackers and his former tag team partner, Greg Valentine. I feel like I have to watch that video now. <laughs> yes. if, if it wasn't for the fact that I have to hear ICP music. Uh, a little a little tidbits about his life you may not know. Uh, we did tell you that he's the first cousin of Jerry Lawler. Did you know that he is an avid golfer in his spare time? I... I, I, I... I really want to say that I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> his first marriage uh, to his first wife, Judy Lynn Knuckles, was brief, but he's been married to his current wife, Tammy, since 1984. Uh, if you live in Gilbert, Arizona, you've probably run into him at a grocery store. And although he is rivals in kayfabe with Randy Savage, uh, he had a professionally friendly relationship with him, which they both said over the years. I don't think Savage ever came out and spoke ill of him. Um and he considers Harley Race and Hulk Hogan to be the greatest wrestlers of all time, both as equals. He's not going to put one over the other. He's like, they're equally the greatest of all time. Yeah. Way to take a stance there. <laughs> and oh, Okay. Hulk Hogan, right? Um, you know what, guys? You can go to Wikipedia if you want to read all the championships and the list of accomplishments. Because we weren't kidding. The guy won a whole bunch of territory. He's done a stuff. lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so good kudos to him. But you know what, dude? You got yeah, good kudos. <laughs> you got you got to pick the right guitar, bro. You got to pick yeah. the right guitar. Or if you mess up, just admitted you just yeah. admit you messed up yeah. and apologize. What the sh? Come on, man. Um, but honky tonk, man. This does make me kind of want to go back and watch some more of his matches and, and just see what kind of a worker he was. Because I can't tell you that I I, I could remember even one. 100 percent right. to be honest so i, I think i'd like to well, go back for the sick for the uh, warrior ones because it's like oh yeah yeah uh, i'd like to go back to to see when he first won the icy title though i'd like to see how that 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 went down yeah for sure so anyway uh that's all i've got for today's episode you got anything else dude no uh just like honky tonk man i have left the building <laughs> all right brother let's take it home <laughs>